am Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's coming up, Simpsons. Simpsons. It's the Max Fun Drive. Yeah, we are so excited. This Ooh. is the best time of mm-hmm. the year. As you guys know, this is a listener-supported network and a listener-supported show. Uh, so we really never ask you guys to help us out except for during the Max Fun Drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are so grateful to those of you who have already pledged. And we are looking forward to trying to bring on 25,000 new and upgrading members. That Ooh. is our goal. Yeah. Um, and we know that you guys can help us. And we're going to talk about uh, some of the amazing reasons why you guys should do this, how it's going to help the show, how it helps the network, uh, what kind of gifts you can expect. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really special. Yeah, we're going to get more into it later, but we just wanted to uh, say up top, it is the best time of the year. A lot of people say that about Christmas. But and I, I just don't think that's I true. I don't think that's true. I think it's Max Fun Drive. As somebody that has been a uh, Max Fun supporter before we had our little podcast on this network, um, to me, I felt, you know, really special in being able to support my favorite shows. And I know that you guys uh, feel that same way, too. So if you are already a member, great. If you're thinking about becoming a member, great. Um, and you'll hear more about all those details, how you can get involved later. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And everything's Everything's coming coming up, Simpsons. This episode is brought to you by Ziggy Comics, Little Baby Ducks, (laughs) and Sweatin' to the Oldies Volumes 2, 3, and 4. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we are also brought to you by cops in Springfield, <laughs> uh, Gasso, and a Droodle. Oh, of course. Thank yeah. you, Droodle. Thank you, Droodle. We are, of course, talking about the episode Homer's Triple Bypass. This is the 11th episode of The Simpsons' fourth season. It originally aired on December 17th, 1992. It was written by Gary Apple and Michael Carrington. Showrunners at the time were Al Jean and Mike Reese. And we it was. We was. I was about to say. <laughs> we was. It was directed by our guest this week, David Silverman. Hi, Hiya, guys. Hey. Hi. Welcome hey. to the show. It's great to be here. And uh, yes, I had a wonderful time directing this particular episode uh, because I got to make it, I had to make it as funny as a heart attack. Oh, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> There's so many, I mean, we'll get into it, but there are so many great like just pure animation moments and like you know you were and you talked a little bit about this on our special live episode that we did at the LA Podcast Festival. Oh, yes. I know um, the sound many familiar. moons ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but we'll get back into it again. So sorry listeners, you'll hear it one more time. I hate to be redundant, but uh I hate to be redundant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um yeah, I feel like there's so many great opportunities you took with like sort of twisting and T- turning Homer into looking so different than what we're used to when he's having a heart attack and then even at the end of the episode when he's like post-surgery and just looking he looks like Homer but he's like sick puffy Homer in a really fun way. <laughs> well I'm glad he still looks like Homer. He's always yeah. like Homer to me but apparently I'm able to draw him differently and still maintain his appearance. Mm-hmm. At least that's what they tell me. How does one do that? And specifically, how do you do it? <laughs> Teach us one, two, three. You know, well, I was about to break into I don't know. But uh, I would say in some respects what I try to do is I try to keep the uh, a- aspects of the face, uh, you know, 
the same, sort of the way the eyes are and sort of the way the top of the cranium is. Mm-hmm. I'm gesturing on radio, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, but- he touched his cranium. <laughs> I was going to say cradio, which is something else that we should, Allie and I should go in on Shark Tank style. Oh, absolutely. That's a great product. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> but things like that. I, mm-hmm. I, and I think that helps maintain the integrity of, of his. I, the way I look at it, everything else is up for grabs. Basically, the top of the head is roughly the same. Well, except when he has a heart attack, then I, all bets, all were bets off. are off. Yeah. yeah. But the, you can get a lot of stretchiness under the nose and down to the neck in terms of his face. You know, it's it's truly impressive, and it's actually as a kid, it was equal parts scary and funny, which is a very <laughs> difficult thing to pull off. I think <laughs> this is wonderful because I never really heard that before. But I, I, yeah, you probably saw it. You were probably younger. It's yeah. a very scary episode. I, well, it's a it, heavy if, episode. You're, if you're a child, you think Homer's going to die. <laughs> it, yeah. That's that's not a fun thing. <laughs> you know, I keep forgetting that because as a director, I know how it's going to come out. And yeah. I keep forgetting. <laughs> oh, that's right. You guys, are, was it, I, I know what's going to happen next, and you don't. Okay, that's good. And the. The kitties don't know uh, how TV shows work and that you can't kill off the main character unless you're Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I bet there were like teasers for next week on The Simpsons during this episode of Mm -hmm. Simpsons. But even still, I mean, there is just an overall heaviness to this episode and the way that it is written from the premise to the execution. It's all about, as you say, like how to make a heart attack funny. This whole episode is about making like the worst news you could get aside from like life threat cancer but like breaking that to the family dealing with that in various ways making that funny throughout it's it's like on paper the heaviest premise for an episode of television and also not only that but having possibly the worst doctor to take care of you (laughs) (laughs) although he does redeem himself yeah, <laughs> in a, a very good help. way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, now I'm jumping ahead, but you may probably notice that when he redeemed himself, we had a little halo behind his head. I, I was going to ask that. about yeah, that. Yeah, I was on por- I was on purpose. Uh, that was a little visual addition, not yeah. the script per se. Do you That's feel great. like people catch that and ask you about it, or is it something that like was just a little detail that may have flown under the radar a little bit? But the good ho- for you. The ho- <laughs> well, thank you. Well, um, the hope is they catch it, and sometimes mm-hmm. the hope is they catch it, and they may think that I. Did I see that? Was it real? You know, or was did he was that intended? So um, yeah, I'm I'm glad when people do catch it because especially that time this is like the the fourth season. There was still a lot of uh, us working like all the time, like round the clock, and not really seeing the light of day. You know, mm-hmm. we're all squinting and we're all shriveled up, and our skin is very pasty. And then <laughs> occasionally we go, oh, it's blinking in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. Oh, people like the show, eh? Well, that's great. I got more work to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, that was about the time that. I I started noticing that, you know, <laughs> you know, like going to bars and saying, hey, they're playing The Simpsons. Oh, my nice. gosh. <laughs> have, why, sure, I'll have another drink. <laughs> yeah, because you just really never know when you're working on a show, especially, no. like, toward the beginning. And and this is, I mean, fourth season is not the beginning for a lot of TV shows, but it is, you know, as we know from The Simpsons. And we've talked to Josh Weinstein about this, where, like, even at this point, no one was quite sure because the Internet was in its infancy. So you can't really, like, go on Twitter and no. do hashtag Simpsons and, you know, take 
a trip down the rabbit hole. Right. We didn't have any like ongoing fan feedback. We saw the ratings and that was about it. And just yeah. whatever comments we could hear, you know, locally. So I know it, even even though I lived at a time prior to the Internet, it's hard to imagine a time prior to the Internet. Mm-hmm. My brain has been trained. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that you've said this probably 2000 times, but just for for newer listeners to our <laughs> podcast, what is your origin story with The Simpsons and how you got involved? And ah. um, you could start from the end or the beginning, however you think is well, <laughs> Which is a great show. No, at, at the on beginning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yes, I um, I started, I, I went to UCLA Animation Workshop in 1977 coming out here, uh, transferring from University of Maryland where I grew up, Silver Spring, outside of D.C., and got into the Animation Workshop. And actually, uh, early on at that time, I started working on this film called The Strange Case of Mr. Donnie Brooks' Boredom based on an Ogden Nash poem of the same name. Interestingly enough, another student at the time, a filmmaker by the name of Alex Cox, uh, was a student there, and he did the voices for it. Mm -hmm. And um, I bring this up because that film won me uh, an award in something called the Focus Festival. It was a big deal award sponsored by Nissan, and I won first prize in animation. And again, I bring that up because I had won... I was asked to like come back, I think, in like a, a two years later in 1984, and I met this energetic, uh, funny guy named Bill Cop. And Bill Cop, I know Bill Cop, yes, of course. And he went on to do <laughs> other great things. And I was, he was very, you know, gregarious. He still is, yeah. and uh, a wonderful guy, and just just full of energy about passion about animation. And he got me all passionate about animation. <laughs> and you know, we sort of hung out, and then we lost touch with each other. But then we sort of reconnected later in the year. And he was working on a film called One Crazy Summer, which was originally going to be titled by Greetings from Nantucket, (laughs) a Savage Steve Holland film, his follow-up film from Better Off Dead. Um, Savage grew up in Nantucket Island, and that was why it was going to be called that. It was filmed on Nantucket Nantucket Island, Uh, but much like the other film starring uh, John Cusack and both, uh, his main character was also a cartoonist. His cartoons Mm -hmm. came to life. Bill... Needed animators. He was he was in charge of the animation for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needed animators for that those sequences. And this was in 1985, and where we worked from 1985 to 1986 on this ten minutes of animation wow. for the show. Uh, one of the other animators on that show was Wes Archer, along with Tim Bjorglin and young Jeffy Myers doing a cleanup. Uh, Wes Archer had, from time to time, I don't know exactly when, uh, he had worked for it, Klasky Chupo, doing, whenever they had a commercial that had, like, character animation, he had done one or two, I I, I don't know. Klasky Chupo at the time was about the size of this small studio that we're sitting <laughs> right now. <laughs> they primarily did motion graphics. They had an mm-hmm. Oxberry computer-controlled Oxberry Before camera. Rugrats and all of that. Oh, gosh, before mm-hmm. anything. And this is back in the day, even before a lot of CG computer animation. So they would make logo, logos that looked like they were done by computer, by motion graphics and several mm-hmm. passes and overexposing and underexposing, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow. So that was their main thing. But they had gotten a contract from for something called the Tracy Ullman Show. <laughs> and... Uh, Basically, they had asked Wes, do you know other animators to do this? They'd be working with uh, uh, but with uh, M.K. Brown and Matt Groening. And, uh, well, I, yes, I do. And that's how we got involved, Bill Kopp, myself, and Wes. And that started 
In March of 1987. March 10th, I believe, was my first day. Wow. Whoa. Uh, had you already known uh, Matt's work from before? Or what oh, you... yes. No, I, uh, that was a thing that made me do it. I wasn't planning to do it because at that point I was planning to say not goodbye forever from animation, but uh, a brief respite from animation and spend <laughs> the year of 1987 working on my own portfolio. Mm-hmm. I was encouraged by my friend Gary Baseman, who I went to UCLA with. Um, he had done same. He had spent. He literally took a year off from doing any work, saved enough, which I had done, to live off for a year and worked mm-hmm. on his portfolio. That was his nine-to-five job, waking up, go to the drawing table, finding my style. That's how Gary just developed his style. Wow. And uh, he had done very well. He was now, at that time, he was living in New York uh, in, in Brooklyn. It was, I visited him in 1986 because that's where my uh, other extended family is, in good old New York. Uh, so that was the, the, was the idea. I was going to be spending my year learning how to be my own style. I feel like, like you ultimately found your own style. I guess I did <laughs> in a different way. But, uh, but, but I just wanted to say, so that, uh, that uh, well... Well, this sounds like fun. I could, I'd like to do that for a couple of weeks. Work right. with Macarena. Yeah, it's it's funny how like best laid plans, like you, sure, it, witnessing how that plan of like I'm going to take time off, uh, you know, through Gary Basement saying like I'm going to take time off, and like seeing how it worked for him and wanting to do that for yourself. But right. yeah, it's just <clears throat> you truly never know like where what opportunity will lead you to no. where. Oh, that's mm-hmm. why I went way way far back because I actually, in some ways, I feel like I owe it all to Ogden Nash. Because if I hadn't been enamored with Ogden Nash's uh, humorous poetry, maybe I would never have stumbled across this uh, strange case and and done this film and blah, 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 blah. That's such a stony (laughs) rabbit hole thought. But it's fun sometimes when you're like, and if I never. I want to tell a really quick Bill Copp story because my um, mom uh, is friends with him. And uh, my mom's worked for the Disney company pretty much my whole life. She's not an animator or an artist, but she works in um, their legal department and TV animation. I think that's an art. That is an art. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and so, you know, she uh, was friends with Bill Coppin. And as a kid, he would throw these really crazy parties. Did you ever go to them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Were you at the jungle party he threw? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I so yes. my I went. It's you know. God, it, I must have been eight years old or something like that <laughs> around that. And I think my mom dressed me up as like we had like a, I was a little leopard tiger thing oh. or whatever. And this was like me. I'm I'm gonna say I went through a very deep Bart phase. Oh, of course. And I know we talk a lot about you know like. Who who's Lisa? Who's Bart? What part are we? I was full Bart, and um, I also was really shy. So I think that like my Bartness like overcompensated for my shyness. But I just remember he had a pool. He had these little water guns, and all the kids got in the pool, and then I picked up one of the little water guns, and I just started spraying people at the party <laughs> on the side. And I I did it once, and like saw the reaction, and people were. Like, whoa, but then they're all like animator artist people, so they're laughing. So, of course, as a natural performer, I'm like, gotta give them more. And pretty much I'm decimating everybody. So, then, for like, years and years, and I swear I'll walk into a meeting at Disney or somewhere today, and they'll be like, weren't you? <laughs> like, my mom, I think, and Bill fucking loved it. He oh, was like, sto- he was like, yeah, I get it. Like, Go get it. <laughs> yeah, I just I became his favorite person that night uh, because I just ruined everyone's good time. I love but, but, yeah. but, you know, none of us had a cow. 
<laughs> no, no, none of us had a cow. Yeah, I even remember like maybe it was Bill or some other animator that my mom knew like drew a caricature of me as a child, like <laughs> spraying everybody with a water gun. And I would oh, pay I, for that. I yeah. hope you have that caricature. I, my mom does definitely. Oh, somewhere. right. Yeah, you she must because post. she's worked for Disney for you know thirty years, and so like she, if you go to her house, it's just like all the things that her animator <laughs> friends have given her over the years. It's really cool. So, so this is kind of a broad uh, question, but you obviously have worked with uh, writers and directors and animators. I'm just kind of wondering, because I feel like we have mostly writers and performers on, if you could kind of just describe an animator lifestyle and that world because it isn't a niche like we julia and i could talk about the comedy scene all day we could talk about how <laughs> they're depressive and how they're bitter and how they're also sometimes not but that is we yeah. could just des- we could describe yes. the kind of prototypical stand-up comedian in the in the 2000s yes. i'm wondering can you kind of paint a picture for those who don't know of like for example julia's talking about being a little kid splashing all these kids <laughs> had those been actors I don't know that that would have gone that way. Would not. Cows would have been had. Cows, Cows would have, would been, have had. been had. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but well, not warm. <laughs> animators, <laughs> I mean, there's there's quite a, I think there's a, there's hard to, there can be the sort of caricature of the animators, like sort of the quiet, shy yeah. type of guy. But I, like, look at my drawings. And, oh, my God, there's an explosion on a universe in the drawings. But, uh, oh, yes, it's very, like, it's quiet and shy. And I was a little on the shyer side when I was younger. Uh-huh. And actually, uh, you know, as I got more directing, I had to become more gregarious, whether I liked it or not. Mm-hmm. So that can be an element. Uh, but you can meet other ones. Well, like, like good old Bill is pretty gregarious. And I know mm-hmm. other ones who are very flamboyant and very, you know, you know. Uh, it's hard to pin um, anything like that on it. One thing I will say, because as you probably know, I play the tuba. I do mm-hmm. know that. And uh, so, but there are many, many musical animators. And mm-hmm. I've always contended there's a great strong link between you know music or music understanding and the rhythm of animation because they're both rhythmic arts absolutely so, yeah. yeah so it's not a not a colossal surprise i mean there's a very famous firehouse five plus two consisting of ward kimball right and right. frank thomas primarily you know two of the greatest animators at disney in the golden age are two very fine musicians and the other people involved well there's one he wasn't an animator hopper uh, Harper Goff, a banjo player who is a great production designer, designed the Nautilus and 20,000 Leagues and so forth. Yeah, uh, it is. It's funny because people will often think like, well, that's not fair that someone's multi-talented. But to your point, those things are actually probably utilizing the same innate skill or, you know, brain piece yes. that you have yeah, to have. Yeah, absolutely. There are many. Um, I think you'll find uh, com- some composers, uh, famous composers, but many classical artists. Uh, a viol- you know, violinists or whatever, uh, pianists, also have a proclivity to do cartoons or art and mm-hmm. so forth. So it's not yeah. unexpected, you know. It's funny you say that. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, my husband, Mike, is an animation director. Um, he directed on Big Mouth for Netflix, and he's right. directing right. on something at uh, Tim House right now. Um, but he uh, is very musical. And so to hear you say that, I'm like, oh, it makes total sense. Yeah. But I've just always known, I just thought that he liked tinkering and, and our house, you know, has always had like at 
least four guitars and a banjo and other things. And yeah. um, even so last night, uh, not to time to stamp this too much, but Mike and I went to go see our dear friend Allie perform. Hello. Hello. Um, very musical, by the way. Very ah. musical. Um, but uh, you were opening with Jonah Ray for Don't Stop or We'll Die. A great band. Uh, great band. Led by Paul Rust and Michael Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. And um, we went, we enjoyed ourselves. And then later that night, uh, and Mike hadn't really heard uh, Don't Stop or We'll Die before. So I played them, played him some of their albums. And he just kept saying, like, God, I I wish that, you know, like this just because it's a band that really evokes like hanging out with your friend and like fucking around with like different weird lyrics. And he's like, I just wish I had that more in my life. And I don't know, maybe now you're sparking it in me. Maybe I'll encourage him to, you know, have more music and animation <laughs> to kind of blend it together because they can be copacetic. It really works well. And I, I, I took that. Not in a conscious way, but my sense of timing, I think I kind of got yeah. from my sense of musical timing. And uh, and then when I would help other people learning about timing, I would say, if you can hear the difference, you can see the difference. That makes so, sense. Yeah. So listen mm-hmm. to music. And if you hear like notes going, that that means you could, as far as I trailed my tongue, which is almost every two frames, you could do like, you know, that's why you can have a sneak cycle every two frames going like that. Yeah. As I demonstrate, because nobody can see me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, folks. Um, and so we're, how, how long have you been playing music? Has that been since childhood? Has that been something you found later? Uh, a bit later playing it, but, but the fascination for music uh, started when I was a, a, a young child. I mean, one of my favorite pieces when I was like five was A Carnival of the Animals. Incidentally, by the way, interestingly enough, it was a version of Carnival of the Animals with verses by... Ogden Nash. Oh my God! <laughs> it reoccur- all comes back to Ogden Nash. Thank you, Ogden. Theme. Thank you, Ogden. Exactly. <laughs> Ogden, you. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, uh, but uh, I and I took piano when I was a kid. I didn't really stick to it. You know, when you're five, it's yeah. hard to. You know. I wish but, I could play an instrument. I wish I could oh. play piano. But the thing that I did retain, for whatever reason, it was how to read music. That's cool. fascinating because yeah. a lot of people, myself included, are able to pick things up by ear and kind of figure it out. Right. And you teach yourself just by, you know, you, you pluck around, you, you yeah. whatever sure. it is. And uh, reading music, I, I was even in different jazz uh, choir ensembles. Uh-huh. Where you're required to read music, and I would fake it because I I could intuit kind of where the song might go, and nine times out of ten I was right, and if I thought I was wrong, I'd sing a little quietly. <laughs> <laughs> you were just scat. I was scatting. You invented scatting. I did invent scatting. Cool. <laughs> I'm older than I look. <laughs> well, wait. When people scatter, they are they just fucking up and not wanting us to notice? One hundred percent of the time. Okay, cool. It's like improvising. Ah. It's, a, it's improvising. It's improvising. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's improvising with your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the story is that Louis Armstrong had dropped the uh, lyric sheet, and so amazing, and he just started scatting. And <laughs> how he invented scatting. You can look that up. It's either true I won't. Or I shan't false. look that up. <laughs> I'll but, take your word for it. But anyhow, it. so uh, which was pretty great. Maybe because I had a visual mo- mind, I could I remembered what the notes meant and how they they worked. Mm-hmm. I got very interested in symphonic music, and I started buying miniature scores. You know, along with my little Zeppelin albums, of and course. Of course. I would so get you know, I would make fun of you. Well, I enjoyed that too, <laughs> but I also enjoyed because I found that there wasn't a big difference between you know, you know that sort of music and Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. You know, by the way, uh, I later on Frank Zappa toured the Classic Chupo studio because he became wow. friends with Gabor. 
And he of came course. into my office as I was working. He's a lovely guy, very nice guy. And it was nice because at the time I was listening to Stravinsky and he said, all right, Stravinsky, yeah, one of my favorites too. <laughs> because he was, you know, classically yeah, educated. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Anyhow. Wow. But anyhow, so I think I was training my brain musically because at a certain point later, I, around the time I was 16, I said, I got to learn how to play something. And I decided on the tuba because I always liked the sound of it. I liked the idea of it. And it's a big, stupid instrument. And you want something that fire could come out of exactly. and guitars are too flammable. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. You wear many hats, both figurative and literal. <laughs> <laughs> Been sitting on that comment. <laughs> uh, so let's all take a break to think about what instrument uh, or skill we would like to develop. Mm. <laughs> Excellent idea. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by the Max Fun Drive. Yay, it is finally that time mm-hmm. of year when everybody comes together on this network and is working really hard on both sides. This is a listener-supported network, a listener-supported show. We love being a part of Max Fun. Uh, it has been such a wonderful first year here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were so welcomed and overjoyed by our first Max Fun Drive. Um, everyone was so wonderful. We got a lot of people with our Horny Marge pins. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and we loved seeing them in the wild because oh we go God. to Max Fun Con and then we've been able to do some live shows and that's been really special. Yeah, and we have gotten to interact with some of you and uh, we are just really, really humbled and flattered knowing that you guys are supporters of us because we do this for fun. We love yeah. doing this show. We would do it if we didn't ever see any type of thank you or anything, but knowing that you guys are listening and so positive, it just really warms our hearts especially for a show like ours which is you know about fandom what is fandom then it being this sort of extended friend family that you form and Allie and I on the show talk about all the time about you know using the Simpsons as this like common language that can be an icebreaker for us it's how we met it's how we you know um, became such close friends and um, we know that you know the spirit of our show lies within you know that you the listener um, feeling that same way and I feel like you know there are a lot of networks out there but we feel so at home at Max Fun because I think that it really echoes that sentiment of it being we're all in this together such a nice community, um, as Ali said, both inside and outside. Oh my gosh, when um, Julia and I weren't at Max Fun, we got to perform at a Max Fun con, and mm-hmm. as soon as we were there, it was very clear. Like this is this is our people. Right. We love every single person here we love everything you know and even if you haven't gone to one of the cons you know what it means to be a max fun listener and a max fun supporter and there's just something very special and warm and it just feels so good and you know this time of year is a very good time for you guys and for us to to bring you guys the best content and to get support and you know we only ask one time a year right. uh, but Throughout the whole year, you're going to feel so good knowing that you are a supporter and that you have uh, pledged. Right. Um, And we, Julia and I, before even doing any shows here, we both were uh, Max Fun uh, pledge people. And and we definitely love to support shows, too, just because it's a big family and it just Mm -hmm. feels so good. I mean, I love every show on Max Fun, but the ones that I really loved were, you know, shows like Judge John Hodgman and Can I Pet Your Dog and Jordan Jesse Go. And I did feel, you know, when I would listen to those shows and I knew that my pledge was supporting them, it made me feel really special. And it made me feel like, you know, what makes 
not to be all cheesy about it, but like what makes podcasting so special as a medium is that it is intimate in that way where you feel really connected. And I think that uh, Max Fun as a network, you know, is like really intent on making that like their mission statement of there's no separation truly between these podcast creators and the listenership. It's that we're all, you know, the same kind of people. And we've found each other we're looking up at the same moon baby <laughs> yeah absolutely and so you know to to really paint a picture uh of why you should become a member i'm just going to go over some of the things that are going to make you feel so good i wish you would i definitely am <laughs> if you become a monthly member in addition to you know the actual physical perks which there yeah. are let's just talk about the good vibes you're going to have every single time you listen to an episode you're going to know that you're helping all of your favorite podcasters do what they do and you're going to feel so proud and like you are a part of that community and it honestly just will make you feel awesome every single time yeah there are so many great gifts that we will get into specifically but honestly even if there weren't gifts i would be supporting my favorite shows just because it feels good Mm -hmm. yeah and and i feel like you know every year that we set this goal i it it is you know it feels like a really big goal, but it, I'm always just overjoyed and like blown away by like how we seem to meet it. We being the collective we for Max <laughs> Fun. So this year we are um, you know trying to reach twenty five thousand new and upgrading members. Wow. And yeah, I'm I'm yeah I. I'm excited about that just expanding the community even more. So for me, like I'm I'm excited to sort of be a part of that journey too. Do you think we could do it? I think we can do it. I think we could do it. Yeah. If you do it right now. Oh. <laughs> I if, think I yeah. think it's urgent and that we should all be clicking some buttons and helping Pull us out. Pull your car over. Don't do it while you're driving. I just got a texting while driving ticket and it hurts. Don't do that. <laughs> But as um, soon as you yeah. do pull over, I would say do it while it's on your mind just mm-hmm. because you're these things, you know, we do, we do this one time a year. Right. You're going to forget uh, unless you do it now. So just do it now. Just do it now. Do it now. Do it now. <laughs> Be um, like the boy. <laughs> uh, but basically, uh, help us get to that goal. It's going to make everyone feel so good, as we've talked about. It's just so fulfilling. It makes you feel so just part of a family. And, you know, you should do it. It's really easy. Go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that's dot org. No other dots. O-R-G, <laughs> baby. Uh, it, you're going to pick the membership that's right for you. You're going to enter all the important, pertinent stuff. It's easy. You guys are smart. Yeah, you uh, know. But become a member. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. All right, we're back. Yeah. Oh, I have a long list of things to do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> reading, reading music is definitely... I have a book about reading music, and... Um, I think I'm going to pop that open finally. Because, you know, you could tell more or less just in terms of like this note's higher, this note's lower, but I'd like to be able to kind of finesse it. Julia, what what did you want to learn how to do? I would love to learn how to play really any instrument. But I think in the meantime, as you uh, perfect your life with that book, I'm just going to karaoke sing uh, a little (laughs) bit more. And not even at karaoke bars. I'm just going to make public places my karaoke bars. I love it. Yeah, what about... Is there anything that you are hoping to do in You know, in your I think I should time? finally learn how to how to cook. You know, like really <laughs> learn how to cook. I mean, I can I'm not like if I had the instructions I probably could figure it out. Yeah. But I have a terrific I have, I I have a duplex and upstairs I ran out to a dear friend of mine, Coleman Decay, and he's 
a very good cook. That's and awesome. And I'm also like sometimes sometimes I watch him do it. And it's like oh okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So I, maybe uh maybe we'll yeah. uh, get a little of that under the old belt. I think that sounds good. And you mm. could put food inside your belt. Uh, no, that doesn't quite work. Yeah. I could Let's... put food inside the tuba bell. How about there that? There we All go. All right, there it is. Uh, so obviously <laughs> this episode is important to you because you have a large involvement to it in terms of directing and the the choices that were made with the actual heart attack. But what else can you say about this episode, about why it means something to you? Um, it was a very... Uh, you know, it's very interesting, they, especially at the time that it came out, there weren't a lot of, uh, you know, jokes about heart attacks in sitcoms at the time. No. So, <laughs> so you have to put it in context. Uh, so they actually uh, wanted me specifically to direct it because they thought I, if anybody could make it look funny, it would be me, which was very flattering. But then, of course, very challenging because, <laughs> okay, well, gee, thanks. Oh, now I have to deliver the goods. Yeah. So, uh, but I just found it a very interesting episode to do there was a lot of uh from every scene that even before that you know great scene there but there's a lot of things to have fun with you know even the beginning or even the bad cop stuff was great yeah let's actually play that clip because i love that so fun which by the way that song i think came in later after we had a I don't know. Maybe it was after we had the animatic or after mm-hmm. we even had the oh, color. Wow. Yeah, but you just these... knew it would be based on cops. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it started with, I think, Bad Cops, but the song itself came later. That's great. <laughs> Let's hear it. Bad Cops, Bad Cops. Springfield Cops are on the tape. But what do you expect for the money we make? Whether in a car or on a horse. Boys, time to bag us a cattle rustler. What in God's name are you doing? Isn't this 742 Evergreen Terrace? No, that's next door. Close but no donut, cops. This is Papa Bear. Put out an APB for a male suspect driving a car of some sort heading in the direction of uh you know that place that sells chili suspect is hatless repeat hatless <laughs> suspect is hatless is such a funny line well it's uh, it's pretty specific yeah i love it <laughs> so you were um kind of uh, touching on this a little bit earlier but but being selected to direct an episode how does that normally work out in the world of the simpsons um i think th- there's some of that yeah, yeah, from time to time that happens. But, you know, when you have like a – back then it was 24 episodes and, uh, you know, the director rotation was basically sort of set. So you couldn't always specifically choose uh, the directors. But, you know, everybody was every, – all the directors were doing a great job back then. But we had strengths, you know, and some uh, in different areas. And I, I guess I had a strength in crazy drawings. So <laughs> – it just came out that way. It just way, came and out like, that way. You're yes, the perfect yes, yes, but... And and you don't have to get too granular with this. Mm. Um, but when you find out, hey, you're going to do Homer's triple bypass. What are the general steps of how you approach directing an episode of The Simpsons? Well, I mean, once you get the script, you just sort of like looking through it and seeing, okay, this is going to this scene. <laughs> you see what's going to be harder, and, and you know, or right. what are you going to put more attention to because especially back then the resources we have more resources now and because we do digital 
uh, you know, com- compositing, we have more uh, latitude to do more, you know, uh, uh, adventurous, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, scenes. But back then you had uh, – the resources were limited, so you had to say, okay, if I make all these areas strong, it will lift up the whole episode. Because I can't put 100% in every single scene. You try, but you can't do it. And uh, I find that you, you also better be responsible for the schedule. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so as I say, so you, that was one of the things I would do. Okay, this will have this much work and this and then so forth and so on. You know? And when and when you like not skimp, but I can't think of another word. Like when you are putting your all into one scene, say like the triple bite, like right. the heart attack scene, like – how do you quote? I guess skimp. How do you skip on the other parts? Is that why we get well, like weird off color people? <laughs> well, maybe that, but uh, no, I don't really skip on the other parts. But I just put more effort into it. So like, the heart attack scene, you know, it's one of these things where I started working out the poses myself, and then you know, well, I got to do the in betweens for these poses mm-hmm. because otherwise it's not going to work. So right. you end up finding, and even the heart beating, you. I don't think I had any in-betweens. I think I animated everything out in that. So that sequence I animated, but I was able to do that, you know, later. Like after hours, I just put a little more time into it. Like, mm-hmm. well, take draw a few more drawings. Or or I can't remember, but maybe I just worked till like, you know, five in the morning. I have no, <laughs> I have yeah. no idea. Uh, to, to keep with kind of that music comparison, like there, there's absolutely a crescendo to the heart attack. And to any yeah. heart attack, there's it's obviously very rhythmic, the beating of a heart. Um, you know, it's hard to discuss something that is visual on a podcast. But can you kind of, um, just because this this part of it is, is the meat and it's, let's talk yeah. about it up top. I, I would love for you to kind of walk us through the steps of Homer's heart attack and from from the start to the beginning, all the things he kind of goes through, whether that's describing it visually or emotionally or... Sure. Well, the scene, first of all, is very well written. You have a great sort of like, if you want to look at it, if I look at that thing, you could almost look at it like a, like a, like a, a song. So there's sort of the prologue of it or the, the verse. But, you know, you have the thing, you know, look at that fat pig, you know, eating donuts on my time. And <laughs> yeah. that seems also like the warm up to it. You know, you start with that. It's and so like, great. And he's going like this. And then you reveal, oh, Smithers is there, which I think is a nice surprise. It I could is. have had him in the room. You see him or you just sort of pull back and then, you know. And even when he says, like, bring him to me, the arms outstretched like that. You know? Yes. So you're setting up that. And then you have, like, the, here's the scene. And I wanted to put it in shadows, which we had to use more judiciously back then. But it seemed like it would be a, a good scene to throw with a shadow. Yeah. Uh, and they have the, the shot of, like, okay, he's facing his boss. And then... You say it builds to crescendo, but that's because the writing did. Because the relaxed Simpson, I just brought you in for a friendly hello, and goodbye, you're fired. So each <laughs> one of his responses escalated. So as you know, he's like, so first he's nervous, and then oh, he relaxes, and then he has the first, oh, that seizure, and then he's like holding still, and then and then he, this is pure pure Chuck Jones, you know, oh, he's holding yeah, still, yeah. and then the eyes move, and then the subtlety, you know, I've always admired that the. That's a great thing about animation. We were, I was talking about that with somebody else, is that you have the caricature of life and you can have a pose where you direct the eye where to go and then you have the smallest movement and then it'll read it'll because everything else yeah. is holding still. And, um, yeah, I got very keen on that. I said I kept – I would write, you know, to the uh, – for the animators, like, please separate, you know, don't – the, don't do trace backs, you know, because I just want that movement specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, so then he relaxes. Byrne says the next thing. 
And then he gets you know, another, <laughs> and that's more tense. And then he relaxes again, and he says another thing, and then he relaxes, and then he says the final thing, you know, and that sort of brings in the final heart attack, which is like, you know, and part of it too is, um, when I think they were like, uh, uh, and <laughs> that's because that's what I got of the recording from from um, from Dan, Dan yeah. doing Homer, so that sort of helped dictate. Those poses, and then I was—I had done other sketches of other silly faces, and I think I've posted them on Twitter. Yeah, uh, in the past, like other sketches, and I just thought, well, these seem to be the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have that clip, if you want to. Yes, now can... that now that we actually have the kind of uh, visuals in your head, mm-hmm. I think it's going to make the the hearing it that much better. Just make it your mind play, right? Yes. And I hope, well, all you when you're podcasting this, you can watch it along. You yes, know? yeah, <laughs> but not driving. Don't drive, children. Okay. Oh yeah. Relax, Simpson. I just brought you in here for a friendly hello. And goodbye. You're fired. But wait, perhaps I'm being too hasty. You are highly skilled at goofing off. Now don't worry, Homer. You're the kind of guy I could really dig. A grave for your indolence is inefficacious. Oh? That means you're terrible! Hmm? Mr. Burns, I think he's dead. Oh dear. Send a ham to his widow. Mmm, ham. No, wait. He's alive. Oh, good. Cancel the ham. No! <laughs> I pointed out before, but I did make careful that his. His ghostly foot didn't quite leave the body. Of course, it's yes. always like something connected to the. Otherwise, body. truthers would be all over you. I know. Well, he's he must be dead. <laughs> well, he's still a little bit alive. Yeah, people uh, are just in, it, way back in whenever the hell this 1992. Was, people are flipping their tables, so angry. You can't do that. You can't cheat me no, out. Like that. I'm can't. glad that uh, ham proved to be so beneficial to his health at that point. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, and you're right. It, it is so well written. I mean, what a scene. And I great love scene. the voice acting from oh. Harry Shearer. I just... From, from Dan. It's just... Ever. Everything so is so great. great. And uh, also, too, I think you know that in the when the, in the window that comes up, you know, um, which was interesting to do because the heart goes crazy and then I wanted to make it strange. And, of course, it goes through all the suits. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. So, you know, because yeah. you had to. Had uh, when when it was told to you that you were going to be directing a heart attack, were they were you given notes uh, to to show the actual heart, or was that your choice? No, that was in the script that that we see what's happening to the heart and at the same time, not not specifically, right? But some specifics, but a lot of it was left up to you know what I had to do. I actually, you know, this is an, about another episode. Um, I remember reading the Land of Chocolate uh, sequence. Yeah, I love uh, which, that. And I literally fell on my chair laughing. It was so funny. <laughs> but, you know, the script described it, but not as detailed as I thought it did. It actually, I just, when I read it, I guess I saw this It idea. painted a picture for you in it some ways. It painted a picture in, the head, in my, I just remember thinking how deliriously happy Homer would be <laughs> right. skipping you know, gracefully in the land of chocolate. So that that that's probably uh, my favorite thing in terms of it. <laughs> I think of all the Case things there are, including sentence. like the Beatles. Like, that's, whoa! I love even that. Even Paul. Even Paul. Even, oh even though Paul has been dead for quite some time now. Yeah. Oh um, yes, as we all know. Uh, <laughs> but that, yeah. R.I.P. Paul. 
Um, that type of movement and motion in Homer is what makes him so lovable, and yeah, like what makes so him it, it's what gives him his traits that uh, you realize why Marge would go for a guy like yeah. that. <laughs> I'm also, I'm fascinated by like learning, you know, either how detailed or how not detailed at all script to animation final is. You know, having uh, yeah. witnessed it through my husband's work, and then I've written for animation, and I, I try to be as detailed, but then of course there's always more road that I'm so delighted and surprised that the animators like inject into that um, you know I uh, I feel like there was an episode of Big Mouth where there was an episode my my husband uh, directed a whole musical number Am I Gay if you saw it oh, uh, yeah, the so- Freddie Mercury <laughs> thing and it's this amazing musical number and you know uh, in the script Mike told me yeah all it said was like um, Andrew throws on a scarf or something, <laughs> and and he added like dancing vaginas and all these things. Um, and I've talked to other writers who um, maybe similar but a little different. Um, Emily Heller, friend of the program, right. uh, who writes for Barry on HBO, she was just saying um, that you know since Barry's an action show, she doesn't know action stuff, so it feels like a similar animation thing in her scripts. She writes, and then they fight, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's the end. Well, that's that's that, that's, that's enough. Sometimes. Leave it that's to enough. the professionals. Yeah. But, yeah. but you know, I'm curious. Um, do the Simpsons uh, scripts tend to be? detailed or is it sort of all over the place is it leaving a little bit of road for you or back then they had less uh they had more sort of leeway they became more detailed i think also as the the writers became more visually savvy mm-hmm. you know and they and more they could have what they want but also they always are happy for the unexpected a choice and the unexpected yeah. surprise yeah well you know part of it i assume is that in working with you and the the other um folks that that helped of course develop what the show could do and then would give you ideas for how you could push it so i mean you all created that first level level and then you just keep going everything everything sort of uh sort of grew on top of each other whether it was like they wrote a line dan or hank or harry or nancy or yardley or Really, you know, they they performed it a certain way, uh, and that inspired the animation. And oh, that worked. Let's do that again. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's how things like, you know, Mrs. Crabapple saying "ha" and Nelson <laughs> going "ha ha" and yeah. uh, things like that. And even the doodly stuff. I think that was Harry just ad living and throwing that in there. Yeah, that's so crazy. Not to get too like stoner. Oh, but like I'm there with you. It just feels like the creation of a person. Like it just feels kind of yeah. like, and that's how personalities form. Where it's just yeah. kind of like part of it's from yep. watching mom and dad, yep. and parts from TV, and parts from this, and parts from that, and then you just become that person. Well, you know, well, that's how. Well, all characters are developed that way. There was I just saw something about Leonard Nimoy, and he was explaining that one time in the one of the early episodes, they're all reacting to something, and his line was fascinating, and he first said it like fascinating, and the director <laughs> came up to him and said, "Well, maybe you should underplay that." And fascinating, and, and then, then <laughs> nods a good note. <laughs> Yeah. So, but that's how all things, all characters sort of develop. That right. Way. And and I mean, I think it really shows when everybody on the team for a TV show in particular is like stoked on, you know, what they're making. Um, and I think especially with animation, um, because you get like the storyboard artists that are like writing, you know, like making things, injecting jokes where they can, you yes. know, not, you know, not yeah. going. Yes. But like everybody's firing on all cylinders. And I think that that's, you know, such a sign of a, what a special show what a special project that everybody's so oh, excited yeah, yeah. It, it was it's 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 just 
great, great times. Well, still. <laughs> <laughs> it was and it is. Uh, because all... oh. <laughs> today was the first uh, table read of uh, season 31. Wow, wow. That's crazy. Did you ever think you'd see the day? Uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, The Simpsons was pitched as a 50-season show, right? 50-season show, yeah. That, that, was, a, that was a That contract. makes sense. They're like, the arc really gets good in season 30. <laughs> uh, well, let's think about how crazy that is during this break. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's coming up Max Fun Drive. Ooh, that's <laughs> not as smooth you as know, our operator. I think it's smoother than ever. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Uh, as you guys probably know, knowing that this is a big old community where we all listen to the same shows, mm-hmm. uh, it is time for the Max Fun Drive. Woo! We are so excited. As you guys know, this is a listener-supported network. We are a listener-supported show. Uh all of us are doing it because we just love podcasting. We just love the mm-hmm. community, and we just love being a part of Max Fun. But you know what? Also, it does kind of feel good to get a gift. I love a good gift. I love a good gift. I'm the kind of person that like I will, and I know I'm going to be this mom. But like, I could spend fifty dollars on something, or like, I'll go into a store and I'll be like, if you spend a, at least fifty dollars, you get like. A tote bag that costs (laughs) half a penny. Oh, my God. And I'll be like, I'm going to get that tote bag. (laughs) So I'm that kind of person. Maybe you're the kind of person, too, if you're listening. And for for you, it's tote bags. For me, it's enamel pins. Ooh, wow. That's that's kind of... Well, that's crazy. That's a coincidence. Really? Why? Why do you say that? Well, I, I only say that because... One of the gifts is an enamel pin. Oh, my God. An enamel pin is what I almost said. <laughs> uh, yeah, so for everything's coming up, Simpsons listeners, uh, we have a very special pin this year. You might know uh, that last year we had a pin uh, that said Horny Marge. Mm, the best. This year... I think we outdid ourselves. I think so too. Uh, you know, we have an amazing pin. Uh, if you if you click the box saying that you support us specifically, it is. I just think they're neat. It's of a potato, of course. It's like old school um, tattoo style. Kind of reminds me of my own Simpsons tattoo, which is done in a similar style with a little banner. Absolutely, it is uh, the type of pin that is such an inside joke, uh, both with the Simpsons and within our own show, because that is a favorite quote of ours. Yes. Uh, that you're going to feel so punk rock and so... Oh, yeah. Super metal when, like, somebody at a show goes, wait a minute, and they recognize it. And, you know, maybe they'll even say, you listen to Everything's Coming Up, Simpsons, <laughs> which is a sentence I'm sure somebody has said at some point in time. Oh, gosh, I um, hope but so. But I would blush so hard if I overheard. And I want to say that they are designed, beautifully designed, uh, by the artist Megan Lynn Cott. I love Megan Lynn Cott. I cannot <laughs> believe how cool this pen looks. It's, it's so truly cool. amazing. So how do you get that pen? Well, it's easy. Hmm, tell me about it. Go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that's dot org. You're going to make sure that you click on Everything's Coming Up Simpsons because that's how um, they determine uh, what to send you for your gift. And now that is the enamel pin is a $10 monthly membership. Yes, but you can contribute to a very wide range of levels. It doesn't have to be $10. Uh, for $5 a month, you're going to get some very special uh, content. Bonus content, yeah. Uh, like, that's only for you. Only, only for you. Over 100 hours of bonus episodes, only available to monthly members. Uh, yeah, and for $20 a month. And, you know, that's 
really not that money to be getting all of these shows for free. Think about the different subscription services you have and that we are, as a network, putting out so much great content, but that right. you get extra content, you get a pin, you get any number of other things. The $20 prize, I think, is amazing and very, very good for Max Fun listeners. It is a beautiful 18 by 24 inch 550 piece maximum fun puzzle puzzles are back baby puzzles are in i do i mean people think i'm joking but puzzles are back and do you know who designed my favorite puzzle yes let's say it together Jeffrey Tice. (laughs) Specifically for Max Fun Monthly members. (laughs) It's the perfect activity to go along with listening to podcasts. That's so fun. When I listen to podcasts, I'm doing dishes and chores. The idea of doing a puzzle, what the hell? That is super fun. And I also feel, I mean, again, like I said, puzzles are in, baby. I feel like puzzles puzzles are replacing adult coloring books. If if you ask me for how to de-stress. Let me just make sure there aren't any coloring books on this list okay yeah, yeah, puzzle. good. puzzles are puzzles in. are good but i want to say out i want to say ali yeah four out of five airbnbs i've been into in the last year had a puzzle in progress and if they're not a I jeffrey swear. tice puzzle then get out of my face i don't care jeffrey tice not so nice hey jeffrey tice um go talk to bryce hell yeah now let me just say uh, on a personal note, uh, asking people for help, uh, asking you guys to to donate your money, um, there's something a little nerve wracking about that. Right. But the reality is, as you know, we're doing this show for you guys because we love you guys and we love to do it. And the fact that you guys are willing to donate for us and then get these cool prizes back, uh, it means that we get to put out better content. It right. makes it so that we get to travel. It helped us when we were writing our book. Yeah, It really leads to a lot of cool things and creates such a good atmosphere. And, uh, you know, if, if you guys have have the ability to help us out, it means so much to us and just makes us feel so good. And it makes our, our work come out that much better. And just to be clear, if you you specifically want to support our show and you want to get I Just Think They're Neat enamel pin, make sure that when you're filling out all your information, you check the box for Everything's Coming Up Simpsons because that's how you're going to get that special pin. Yeah. Uh, so going, uh, becoming a member, so easy. Uh, you go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. And uh, don't forget that's dot org. Mm-hmm. Uh, select the membership level that's right for you. Provide your credit card information and some very easy steps like which shows you like. Mm-hmm. And you're a member. And uh, this is ongoing and you could cancel at any time. It's super easy. But, you know, why would you? It's just right. such, a, it's such a nice thing to do. Go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Uh, we love you guys so much. Thank you so much for being supporters of our show. Uh, it really makes us so happy. And uh, we we can't wait to see if we end up hit, hitting our goal of 25000 yeah. Uh So keep going. Just do it now. Hey, we're back. Hey. Oh, my God. I still Such can't wrap my head break. around it. <laughs> yeah. I watched all 30 seasons in between. Oh, yeah. wow. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. on, your, on your Google Glass? Yeah. Sorry for being so rude and it's taking okay. so long. <laughs> okay. um, so you had talked about uh, the, the halo effect and... I'm wondering if there are any other moments in this episode that uh, you you played a particular uh, hand in, just in terms of of kind of adding to the script. I I can't excuse me. I can't think of anything off the top like that. I remember having. I'll tell you where I remember having a great deal of fun. I had fun with Homer explaining 
with the little uh, finger puppets. I yeah. love yeah. That. When he breaks See, the news. Yeah, when he to breaks the, the news. I had fun drawing uh, Lisa going, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that I, is very I famous. I want to talk by the about way. that line. Yeah, that that line left an impression on me uh, when I was a kid, and and at this time, you know, I I think I was around. Mm, no, I was I was a little bit younger than Bart and Lisa right. were supposed to be, so I was not the MTV generation. But there was something about that exchange that like just burned into my memory. Um, you know, uh, I think Lisa says like nothing you say can upset us. We're the MTV generation. We feel neither highs nor lows. Really, what's that like? <laughs> it's a perfect joke. It's, it's a so perfect good. joke. It's yeah. a perfect joke. Yeah. And just, I, had, I, felt, I have to get this a right, eh, this right shrug on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right expression. So much, I mean, like, as we've talked, like, Homer's, uh, his animation in this episode is so different and fun and vibrant. And, and, you know, that is like a real treat to see. Oh, that's right. I had fun, too, with the when he has a heart attack in the uh, insurance office. Yes. yes. That, <laughs> that is a, such a great scene. That was a fun scene, too. I Yes. Just the tug of war between him yes. and the insurance agent. And also... Even just, I just love the Merry Widow Insurance Company. Oh yeah, yeah. neon sign it always cracks they me up. They always have the best sign gags. Um, also, you know, there's there are all these scenes like you know where the, uh, uh, Hibbert is like saying, "Oh, look at you! You're as weak as a kitten." You know, and slapping <laughs> yeah. around, and also uh, look at that blubber fly. <laughs> right, right. I love that moment because he's giving like the test of uh, his BMI, I guess. Right. Um, you know, let's see how long the blubber goes. Uh, cancel my one o'clock. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun. Even even the uh, the. Uh, Bedroom scene where they're looking at the, you know, going over his bills and he's looking all studious with his yes. hot glasses. That was a lot of fun. I love studious Homer. Yeah. Homer's so cute. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, you know, I kind of already Homer said Homer gets all the girls. You he know, what does. Can I say? <laughs> um, I already kind of talked about this, but I just really am very impressed uh, by the, the job of the animator and the, the person who really brings these characters to life because... Much like in real life, the way someone moves really tells you so much about who they are. Like mm, if someone mm-hmm. is stiff, you kind of right. know that they're uptight or maybe just, uh, you know, you could see if someone's shy. And like, I, I just am really blown away by it. And I think for a lot of people, that's not something you think about ever. Uh, right. Until someone tells you, like, someone did that. They're not real characters. They had someone draw it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that the kind of the, one of the main uh key elements to this podcast is kind of dissecting the show in a way that makes you love The Simpsons even more than you knew that you could. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the average person doesn't really know what goes into an episode. And I I love The Simpsons very much, but still I'm only just beginning to wrap my head around the amount of talent and work and effort. And it really just, mm-hmm. it blows me away. <laughs> like, yeah. I truly am such a big fan. Oh, there's, there's, <laughs> so, there's so much talent that goes into the episode. I mean, I talk to myself as a director, but I also had a great assistant director and all the animators that worked on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, and designers, and it goes on and on and on. It's yeah. such a huge question. And I think we even have a chapter about it in our book, 100 uh, Things the Simpsons fans I'll should let you take it know away. and do before they die. <laughs> Woo! So, uh, but, but could you... Could you kind of give a, if you know, could you give a basic idea of uh, how much work goes into one episode? Well, certainly. So uh, there's, of course, work in the script itself. Mm-hmm. Right. That's about uh, 
six weeks of work, you know, usually. And then there's a table read, and then there's a rewrite after the table read, and then there's recording, and then we start designing and uh, storyboarding. And that now takes about uh, about five weeks' time to board it and wow. uh, get it approved and make adjustments. Then, then after that comes the layout stage. You know, back then I think we had um, about, I can't remember now, six weeks to lay it out, wow. maybe less. What happens uh, in the layout stage? The layout stage was we used to do all the key poses and all the rough backgrounds as mm-hmm. best as we could. And we would film that. And uh, then after that there was a rewrite. Uh, and then after the rewrite, we would make the changes, and then we do the final timing. So we take all those key poses and add more drawings and whatever and start timing, you know, mm-hmm. how many in-betweens we want from our friends in the Korean studios, whether Rough Draft or ACOM. And then they would have uh, 10 weeks to f- finish it and paint it. And then after that, there was a post, uh, post-production post schedule about six weeks or eight weeks, depending. Mm-hmm. So it's like... You know, it's like a nine-month process for one episode. Yeah. Actually a baby. Yeah. yeah You're actually, actually a putting baby. a baby into Absolutely. the world. <laughs> yeah. uh, something I was really surprised to learn when I got to visit um, people over at the Simpsons... Uh, house? Did, not the house. <laughs> when I went to go visit Bart and Lisa. Ah. Um, no, I don't know what I should be calling it, but um, of, the, in the, Burbank. The, the studio. The, the yeah. studio. Yeah, the studio. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I did a, a short tour and was really blown away and... Everything about it was amazing, and seeing the evolution and the changes was really remarkable. But something that was so funny was just how few colors there were in The Simpsons to choose from at first. I was yep. shown the, the color palette. Can you was, talk about that Yes, it was like about 200 colors. Yeah. And occasionally we would say, can we mix a special color just so we can have some <laughs> delineation <laughs> over mm-hmm. here? But, yeah, we literally had a very limited color palette. And we, uh, you know, we uh, did this uh, technique of painting the uh, uh, backgrounds as if they're on cells, you know, so, mm-hmm. as opposed to gouache and things like that, which actually helped us because we would do these fast camera moves and we could animate the backgrounds because it was, you know, like maybe a 18-frame camera move. So it was just 18 drawings of the background changing in perspective. It's not the easiest thing to do, but not completely arduous. Uh, but so we have that. So after um, – so basically when it started uh, – we had a few sort of flirtations with digital production in the earlier days, um, but when we really went for it uh, in a, after around 2002, and I did the this Halloween episode, Homer clones himself, which was really great. So good. To, Is that Schwarzwalder? Uh, I. Th- I think, I think it was so. one of the one of the few later ones I think that he so. does. It yeah. was a great episode to to demonstrate this working because had it been done on cells, I don't know if we could have done it because there were so many homers to do. Um, but we sort of say, hey, look what you can do not only with a camera because you can move more multiplane like shots with the relative ease, but the color palette opened up. At the same time, though, we didn't want to um, undermine the integrity of the look that we had. So even though. We have as many colors as we want. We work within that sort of 200 color, uh, not, but sort of like kind of range. Yeah. Although like we a, add like more color. Yeah, as a guide. Mm-hmm. But we add more colors just for variations and subtleties. And now the backgrounds can become more elaborate. And I remember when I did the the Island of Dr. Hibbert, I actually <laughs> used some gray, gray gradation tones. And the thought was, well, we won't use that very often. <laughs> 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 Only on special occasions. Now it's all over the place. So, right. But, you know, and also after we did the movie, that, of course, changed because the movie affected 
the art direction when we went back to the show uh, because we had to expand the palette for the cinematic screen, but also we liked the way that looked on the screen. And also we had Dima Blagovich, you know, as a, employed uh, in the movie, mm-hmm. and he brought his approach to the show. Yeah, that's so uh, that's so interesting, and I don't recall if we've talked about it on this podcast or not. But um, the 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 idea that you know the the Simpsons movie was such a great success and so amazing, but then was showing what the Simpsons looked like in a new way that then people uh, internally and externally just really wanted to see for, right, from then on. It, it turned a corner, mm-hmm. and then not only that, then then we went to HD format, you know, to a sixteen by nine format, and that. You know, that insisted that we had to redo the title sequence. That's crazy. Which was great. And then mm-hmm. we, uh, um, and then also it gave us more freedom in the title sequence to have more things happen. Yeah. So we have right. the flyby, the, uh, the billboard, you know, whatever we can do, we can always throw in something new, along with the couch gag and the chalkboard. So. Mm-hmm. Do you, did you have any involvement with the, uh, with the theme park at all? I know that. I was about to ask that. We're mind melding. <laughs> that was my. <laughs> I know that uh, no, Matt uh, Salmon had a little. And Matt uh, Warburton, I think. Matt Warburton, wrote, yeah. yeah, he he, he uh, uh, was the sort of had came up with the idea of it, and I think that was no, I wouldn't think I know that was more Mike Anderson involvement mm-hmm. uh, because I just uh, finished with the film, and I, it was happening with the film, and also I was just exhausted. <laughs> right, <laughs> so guys, right, right. I'm sure it's fine. I think I did a few little things here. You're and like pop in roller coaster tycoon, <laughs> call it a day. Universal will no, no. <laughs> no, I think I, I kind of some. Did some assistance in the the uh, the animation of you know people you know uh, in the different booths like you know mm-hmm. Mole Man and Penny Selma and so forth in uh, the actual ride or the line in the line the, the line, line rules yeah. yes it's a it's thank a very, you for the line <laughs> it's the only place where I've liked to wait in line <laughs> I love it waiting in line is like watching a couple of episodes yeah 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 no it's great for people that haven't uh, that are listening that haven't experienced it I think it's the same in Orlando and in Los Angeles um, but when you're walking through the line it used to be Back to the Future, so it's still got that very carnival-esque, like, metal bar, you know, labyrinth feel to it. But, you know, you get to watch clips from theme park-related episodes of The Simpsons, which are the best, because I'm also a very big theme park nerd. But then inside, there's this really cool trick that you guys got to do where yep. it's, like, layering real things with the TV yeah. playing. And- it, was, it was great. And, of course, while you're in line, at a certain point, you actually get the the prologue to the ride itself, right? Which is setup. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If uh, if you don't live close enough to visit, uh, they they must have uh, some of that stuff on YouTube. Or oh God, people would have uploaded Girl, it somewhere. Kidding me? There's ride throughs. The moment <laughs> things open, <laughs> there, there's live there. streaming right now. What a world! <laughs> what a world! Uh, so. We have there are so many great moments in this episode, writing and uh, visually. But I just wanted to know, uh, David, if there are any favorite moments that we haven't touched on yet, because there are so many to choose from. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Uh, oh yes, I enjoyed the montage that Homer goes through. You know, from, oh yeah, from. from uh, from baby Homer. Well, also the, well that, and also from Rev, Rev, Reverend Lovejoy to Rabbi Kostovsky. Yes, 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 yes. To, to Sid Rudin you know, and just like yeah. I, and I, this I, is when his life is flashing before his eyes, right? No, this, this is this like is... this is when he's like trying to see if he can raise forty thousand yes, dollars. Yes, the yes. line he says 
to Reverend Lovejoy yeah. <laughs> is so crazy I had to write it down. Uh, I don't know if this would fly in a 2019 <laughs> world. But he says, I know I haven't been the best Christian. While, uh, while you're up there blah, blah, blahing, I'm usually doodling or mentally undressing the female parishioners. <laughs> Duh, fuck. And then he goes immediately. And then he says, like, anyway, can I get half $40,000? And then it's like a hard cut to a rabbi, and he does a little bit of the saying, I know I haven't been the best Jew. And then he goes to a, a Buddhist, and he's like, I know I haven't been. Ah, forget it. I love a good, ah, forget it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But then I was... Uh, I thought you were going to go into, uh, you know, the life like him yes. going through the beats of his yes. life and, and grandpa's, um, you know, prominently uh, within that sequence. I love uh, grandpa looking down in the maternity ward at baby Homer. He has a slice of pizza yes, for some yes. reason. Baby Homer is very cute. He is very cute. <laughs> He's very cute. And Dan does the voice of young Homer, which is really amazing. Yeah. I also loved in this sequence we cut uh, to, I think from there, it is young Homer singing in the church choir. Yes, that's I'm when he's singing mistaken. with the beautiful voice. Beautiful voice. Uh, soprano beautiful. voice. Yes, yes. Hey, and, my voice crack. <laughs> right, right. And then uh, Grandpa has like, you know, dollar signs in his eyes. That boy's young. He goes, young Homer's going to make me a million dollars. I Aww. love that he calls him young Homer, <laughs> which I feel like is a writer joke because yes. you have to say that in a it's script. young Homer. Young Homer. Uh, one of the reads and recurring <laughs> jokes I love so much is bet goes up, bet goes, goes down. down. And then, of course, the re- the reprise of cloud goes, goes up, cloud goes, goes down. down. Well, haven't we all, when haven't we done this in a bed goes up, bed goes down situation? That's, in fact, uh, we should all be saying that when we see those sleep number, whatever the fuck, uh, commercials now. They should just call it bed goes up. Yeah, they should. I think Tina Fey is in some of those now. She's doing a bed goes up, bed goes down situation. She should cut you guys a check. (laughs) She's good for it. (laughs) Yeah, it's. I mean, it's such a great uh, episode. Um, You know, too much to really dive deep, deep, deep into it. But we do have a clip that I want to play because, you know, Dr. Nick, he doesn't come into this episode until pretty well into the third act but then of course he plays a very pivotal moment because he's the person that does Homer's triple bypass. The B is for Barkin you know. (laughs) B is for Barkin. I want to play his TV ad really. Well that's that's what I was referring to. Oh I know. (laughs) Hi everybody are you looking for a way to slash the cost of your medical expenses? Boring. Wait this might be the answer we're looking for. I will perform any operation for $129.95 Come in for brain surgery and receive a free Chinese finger trap. Okay, Fred. You tried the best, now try the rest. Call 1-600-DOCTORB. The B is for bargain. Well, Marge, we could do worse. How? Uh, Some dog could do the operation. Operation? What are you talking about? Kids... I have something to tell you. Oh, homie, I don't know. This might upset them. Nothing you say can upset us. We're the MTV generation. We feel neither highs nor lows. Really? What's it like? Eh. <laughs> Perfect. That, uh, <coughs> so funny. Every second of Every that. Time. Every second of that. No, it's re- it's remarkable. <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's, that's why I'm always impressed with the writing like that, because it's all funny, but it all... Uh, progresses the plot. It makes me mad. (laughs) I'm really angry at good art. (laughs) It's a very good lesson, and and those who are trying to write uh, comedy in particular, or anything really, should look at The Simpsons and how tightly written it is, because... 
a lot of times people want to just get the the vibe of two characters being funny and talking and they don't think you could do that by by also providing like expository information but the simpsons do it it very well and uh it's really impressive and not a minute is wasted i feel like yeah i'm caught currently not to timestamp this again but i'm caught between a rock and a hard place as we record this right now because we're talking about the simpsons which is you know the greatest written piece of anything of all time Mm -hmm. but we're also talking in february which is the worst time for movies (laughs) so every time i'm going to the movies i go i can do this too and then i go home that's inspiring i go home i watch the simpsons i go i'm a failure (laughs) i can find it in between what is that um, Family the, Guy? <laughs> no, there's a, easy. <laughs> there's a, a, a small line that I really like of uh, "Thanks, little girl." It's just a very, <laughs> a very cute line there. Um, I love Doctor Nick. I think I really liked him as a kid too. Oh there's my god, something very like he's you affable. Know, yeah, he's very affable, and he. He tries as hard as he try, does try hard, even though he's completely incompetent. Mm-hmm. He's also like I think. Uh, I assume as a kid, but also as an adult, um, he just seems nicer than Dr. Hibbert in terms of friendly outgoingness. Right. And he doesn't have like a, like, the you know, Dr. Hibbert's laugh is nice. And when he plays with the cat, he's nice. But he's just more like a traditional doctor. Yeah. Nick is very disarming. And he kind of reminds me of, uh, coincidentally, also named Nick, uh, a very young math teacher I had uh, <laughs> in high school that everyone just called Mr. Nick because we were like, we can't. You're 25. <laughs> You're Mr. Nick. <laughs> so, you know, the the whole idea of uh, the, the heart attack, of, as we've discussed, is, you know, you, you want to make something that's sad uh, funny. And uh, what's amazing is is the balance that the, that the the show can strike of those two things. And, you know, Homer has a, has a very sad goodbye. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to play that clip just because it reminds you of... Uh, you know, it, you're not having the man go through a heart attack for nothing. It's it's to have the emotional stakes, and you really feel it in this scene. So let's play that clip. Oh, my little Maggie. I may never hold you again. You stinky pants. Now, Marge, if the unthinkable should happen, you're going to be lonely. Oh, homie, I could never remarry. Darn right. And to make sure, I want to be stuffed and put on the couch as a constant reminder of our marital vows. Kids, you can come in now. Bed goes up. Kids, I want to give you some words to remember me by in case something happens. Let's see. Uh, oh, I'm no good at this. Bart, the saddest thing about this is I won't get to see you grow up because... I know you're going to turn out great, with or without your old man. Thanks, Dad. And Lisa... I guess this is the time to tell you. You're adopted and I don't like you. Bart! But don't worry because you've got a big brother who loves you and will always look out for you. Oh, Dad. So sweet. Mm-hmm. Which gets back to the, you know, uh, Jim Brooks said at the very beginning of this, the thing that will make this work is you can have all the crazy humor, you have the sarcastic, you know, wise... Humor, wise ass humor, 
but they have to love each other at the end of the day. Really love each other. Yeah. And that was his main mantra. Yeah. You know? It's so sad that uh, Homer died at the end of this episode. Right. I know. Right. I know. It's been we a never re- but never, good riddance. He never recovered. <laughs> um, the other great scene, by the way, that we didn't talk about that I loved is is when Krusty comes to visit. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a great, I great love that it's part of his community service for his glug, glug, <laughs> vroom, vroom, whatever comes thump, after thump, that. Thump, 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 thump. So that was another. Thump. Yeah. So I had to. I, I fucking I had fun love with that. Krusty. I had a hand in that. Uh, That's great sequence. I love a good glug glug. Oh, I've been listing gotta. all the jokes I like this episode. <laughs> uh, are there any moments that we missed in this episode? Uh, there, it's it's, it's truly, so much. It's really dense. It's yeah. it's one of the funnier episodes, and it it's very season four is mm-hmm. is unbelievable. It's, it's, it's so good. Cl- it's a cluster of great mm-hmm. material. Oh, I wanted to say Writing one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to say one thing uh, early early in the episode. Um, I mean, I love a good Burns moment. I love them all. But uh, Burns has such a great exchange with uh, Smithers where he's watching Homer eat the oh, donut. Yes, yes. And he says, yes, yes. You know, something to the effect of like, keep eating until you find the poison donut. <laughs> we did put a poison donut in there. Uh, sir, we spoke to our lawyers and uh, they considered it murder. Damn their oily hides. <laughs> yes, damn their oily hides. Was, uh, I mean, he always has such great specific old timey, or really, where does it come from in time? It's well, so they always weird. enjoy writing for uh, Burns because you can invent either you you find actual old timey expressions or you invent expressions yes. that mm-hmm. sound old timey. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I'll do that. I love that, uh, David. We talk about you a lot on this show because you know you can't really talk about uh, a joke or a scene working without looking at how it is uh, directed and animated and. We can often tell, or at least we we like to think we could tell, uh, when uh, your hand is a part of it, and we're such big fans. Uh, oh, that's very kind of you. It's I've, very I, true. I, well, I hope I hope the, the times that you've credited me, I actually did it. <laughs> you <laughs> just lie and say yes. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Well, what's that? Oh, I'll come quietly. Uh, Ali was going to say that about you, but I have some dirt that I want to bring up about you. No, I'm just but I, but I also <laughs> wanted to ask you because you know. Um, so, you know, we mentioned at the top of the episode that this episode was written by Gary Apple and Michael Carrington and who the showrunners are, of course, Al Jean and Mike Reese, and that it was directed by you, David Silverman. Uh, but but what are some of the other names of the people who worked with you to make this episode so great? The, well, first of all, let's go to the color department. Karen, Karen Bauer was head of the color uh, and for many years was uh, involved with that. John Rice, done so much work as storyboards and then later became very successful directing. Nancy Cruz, uh, one of our character artists and also became a very good Simpson director, now at Disney, uh, doing terrific in boarding. And, uh, oh man, so many people. Scott Alberts doing character design and uh, 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 Dale Henderson, character designer. Mark Irwin was my AD and uh, also did uh, layout. There's this great guy, Ishvan Mayors, who did so much great work. Uh, he was a buddy of Gabor back in oh, uh, cool. back in Hungary. <laughs> oh, really? He's an amazingly brilliant artist. Uh, 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 Pete Michaels was uh, animation timer, oh. but so then he later was a uh, uh, you know supervising director at uh, at uh, Family Guy for the longest time. Oh, and, cool! Uh, done a lot of other directing elsewhere. Uh, Kevin O'Brien. Who's a very good board artist uh, up at uh, Pixar now, but he also was a, a board artist on this show. Cool. Um, oh my God, there's so many people. 
I don't know what else to say. Well, it's uh, just really amazing because, oh, uh, oh, please. Dan, uh, Dan Pav- Pavenmeyer, he did pretty well, I think, after this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just really remarkable because, um, you know, I, I really don't think uh, people know uh, how, how much work or how many people are really behind the scenes making your favorite shows come yeah. to life. And Yeah, I'm just I'm sca- I'm scratching the surface. And uh, yeah. I know everybody I didn't mention will be very angry at me. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, folks. Just Dan's name. I had no idea that he worked on The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. I, of course, yeah. know him from Phineas and Ferb and yeah, uh, other well, many well, things. Both of them worked on The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Phineas and Ferb? Both Phineas, Phineas and, and Ferb. Ferb. How old are those guys? <laughs> but Mr. Swampy Marsh. She, he Swampy was a, Marsh, yeah. best name in animated TV. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, this has been really, really wonderful. Thank you so much for coming back on the oh, show. Oh, sure. Absolutely. No, every, every time I come on, I have a great time with you guys. Oh, and, oh you're good. welcome back anytime. Thank you. And maybe we can cover more material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were just too interested in kind of getting a, a, an idea of, of the world. So we appreciate you you doing that for us because it's really cool. And yeah. it's something I, I really don't know enough about. And, and I appreciate it. Kind of walking us we through. We could it. do a part two of this episode, or we can do a new episode, or whatever. Absolutely, no. I'm happy to do either one. Actually, I was. Uh, if if you want, I know somebody else already did, already did a homie the clown, but it's another one that I. Oh, that was chose. old. You can do it. I can do that. My ex boyfriend did it, so you can come back. <laughs> that guy. I he love won you. A, he won a million dollars, so he's, yeah. My ex boyfriend right. who did that episode also won a million dollars. It's a that's <laughs> a whole a episode machine. from a slot. That's a whole episode wow. that we can talk about. <laughs> I would love to. Talk about Homie the Clown again. Oh. Yeah. That yeah. was a fun one. Let's that do was it. was a blast. Okay, we will do that. Okay, Perfect. great. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, David. And where can people find you online and uh, look up where to see your next show? Oh, uh, well, on Twitter, I am Tubatron. That's Tuba plus Tron. On um, Instagram, I'm Silverruti. Silver, <laughs> O-O-T-I-E. My, my affection for Slim Gallard. That's where the Silver Ruti comes from. <laughs> um my email? No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, um, where are we, where's Vaude and the Villains playing next? Well, actually, next time we're playing, we're out of the state. So, Well, some people <laughs> listen to this out of state. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Just keep checking the interwebs. Vaude yes, and Villains will be playing somewhere, and the other band that's from that, the Rip Roaring Jazz Band, occasionally we're at Clifton's. I oh, love Clifton's, so. and I that's love so perfect. that. perfect. We're going to be there, and have it's going to be great. Have you ever played Villains Tavern? No, not yet. You should. Well, it would be part they and parcel with you. the name. Yeah. I don't know. That's not my department. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's very specific for L.A. regional people. Well, yes. uh, what's great about the band is I'm not the director. I just yeah. hang out. That's perfect. And I don't, have to, I don't make any decisions, and people ask me, no, but it's up to Vaude. It's not my choice. That's great. Uh, well, thanks so much again. Uh, and Julia, where can people find you oh, online? Thanks so much for asking. I'm at Julia Prescott on all of the things. Allie, where can people find you? Thank you so much for asking. You can find me at Allie Gertz and all the things, and you can find us at Simpsons Pod. Yeah, and uh, Everything's Coming Up Simpsons is a production of Maximum Fun. Our show is engineered and edited by Jesus Ambrosio, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Swish. Swish. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.